0: Well, it's Father's Day today, and uh, it's an appropriate day to have a Father's Day message. So I prepared this message on Father's Day, but my goal is not to speak just to the fathers in the room. I want to speak to those in the room who struggle to enjoy Father's Day. When I was in elementary school, uh, our class would often prepare gifts and crafts and cards when we got close and approached Father's Day. The week of Father's Day, we'd uh, planned to give our dad something. For the most part, those were exciting days as we were trying to be creative and as we were trying to uh, do something good for our dad and do something special for our dad. But in the class, in the same class, my friend Michelle was experiencing something completely different. You could see it on her face. She hated those days. Her dad was killed in Ottawa when she was a little girl, and that meant her dad was gone for the rest of her life. She was fatherless on Father's Day. Each year, Father's Day was just another bitter reminder of this, the death of her dad, the absence of her dad. The very thought of his absence seemed to trouble her deeply. There's something special about a father, as there is something special about a mother. God's design is to, uh, for us to be supported and raised by both of our parents. But when we grow up without a relationship with our father, we can easily feel abandoned, uncared for, and deeply troubled by his absence. Fatherlessness is not the way It's supposed to be. There's something deeply wrong with fatherlessness. Growing up without a father is tragic and troubling. And sometimes being fatherless smears our view of all fathers. Even the Heavenly Father. God the Father. But it doesn't have to. This morning I want to tell you about God the Father who is a father even for the fatherless. This morning, uh, every, every Father's Day, my wife makes it a special occasion to sing to me and to bring all the kids around and sing. And then after the singing this morning, we went around and shared, they went around and shared what they appreciated about me. Um, it was amazing. Thank you. And it happens each Father's Day. And this Father's Day I want to actually take you around me and I want to tell you some precious things about our Heavenly Father. It's easy to read the Bible and even to read the Gospels about Jesus' life and to think that Jesus is a compassionate and caring person. He, he He really cares about people. But it's very easy to think that God the Father is unlike Him in that. He's uninterested. God the Father is critical about us. And that's a major mistake. But an easy mistake to make if your view of fathers has been smeared and tainted by an earthly father who wasn't like God. John Owen was a man who understood this very well. He wrote a book about it called Communion with God. And he spoke about believers who doubt the Father's kindness. Listen to this. He says, Many look upon Him with anxious, doubtful thoughts. They fear and question His goodwill and kindness. At best, they think that He has no sweetness towards us except what was purchased at the high price of Jesus' blood. It is true that Jesus' blood alone is the means of communication, but the free fountain and spring of every good thing comes from the heart of the Father. Let us see the Father as love. Do not look at Him as a Father who is always critical, but as one who is most kind and tender. By faith, let us look at Him as someone who has had thoughts of kindness towards us from everlasting Only a misapprehension of God would make someone run from the one who knows Him in the least. That is to say, my paraphrase, if you run from this God, you must not really know Him as Father. Let this be the saint's first notion or first thought of the Father. He is one who is full of eternal free love towards them. Let their hearts and thoughts break through any discouragement that lies in the way of this idea. This morning I want us to break through the idea that thinks that God, the Father, is uninterested in us, only critical of us, and lacks compassion for us. Oh no, that's not the God of the Bible. This Father's Day I want to fill your mind and heart with the truth about the Heavenly Father who is full of eternal love towards you. As Owen says, do not look at Him as a Father who is always critical but as one who is most kind and tender. By faith, let us look at him as someone who has had thoughts of kindness towards us from everlasting. Do you want to learn about that Father today? How do we get to know this Father personally? Well, today's text will teach us that we only know God as Father through trusting in Jesus, His Son. We only know God as Father through trusting in Jesus, His Son. And it's been a long time since you've been, uh, that you've been sitting, so why don't you stand with me and we're going to read from John 14 together, just verses 1 to 7. And you can stretch it out a little bit there as we read from John 14, verses 1 to 7. Let not your hearts be troubled, Jesus says. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Me. If you had known Me, you would have known My Father also. From now on, you do know Him and have seen Him. This is the Word of the Lord. You may be seated. The first thing this text teaches us is that troubled hearts ought to trust in Christ. Look at verse 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Now, in the book of John, at this time in John 14, Jesus has already told the disciples that he's troubled. But in this text, he's the one comforting the troubled hearts around him. They're troubled, the disciples that is, are troubled that he's leaving them. And the very thought of his absence troubles them. But he's not going to leave them fatherless, he says later on in this chapter. He says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans in verse 18. Now he's troubled about his coming death. The coming cross bothers him because he's going to experience death. For us. But not only that, he's also troubled that he's going to be betrayed. Listen to these verses. In chapter twelve twenty-seven. he says, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Chapter thirteen twenty-one. Jesus is troubled about being betrayed. Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, Truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. So, Jesus is on his way to the cross. He's about to be betrayed and suffer death for our sake. And though he's going through this inner agony, he's trusting in God in the middle of his troubles. In this we see that believing in God can actually strengthen us inwardly, even when outwardly we're weakening. So Jesus gives us a concrete example of what he commands his troubled followers to do next. He says, believe in God, believe also in me. You have troubled hearts, look no further. Believe in God, the Father, believe also in me, God the Son. He shows us how to be faithful in the troubled times and commands us to do the same. Believe in God, believe also in me. The command to obey here is to believe in God the Father and in His Son who calm troubled hearts. Troubled hearts ought to obey, ought to, sorry, ought to trust in Christ. What's troubling you this morning? Is something troubling you? Is it the death of a loved one? Is it the deterioration of your body? Is it the absence of your Father? This verse is clear cut. And it's meant to comfort you. If your heart is troubled, turn to God the Father and Jesus His Son by believing. He's the trouble taker and the comfort maker. He cares deeply for those who are troubled. And He says, believe in Me. Bring it to Me. Bring it all to Me. Tell Me about it. Call on Me. Paul calls God the Father, God the Father and, sorry, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. (coughs) Do you think God is too busy for your troubles to care and comfort you? No, it can't be so. The Bible says that God is a Father of mercies and God of all comfort, He actually comforts the troubled. The next thing we see in this text is that Christ is trustworthy. Look at verse 2. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. A relationship with God is the highway to heaven. And Jesus assures his followers that through him, there will be room for us in heaven. There's no hesitation from Jesus. He says, he's going to prepare a place. Growing up, uh, I listened to a lot of Tupac. And uh, one of his songs, um, Tupac was a very deep poet. And... uh, (laughs) One of his songs was, I wonder if heaven got a ghetto, right? (laughs) There's no ghetto in heaven. (laughs) In my father's house are many rooms. There's place in heaven. And Jesus goes to prepare a place for those who follow him. Now please don't listen to that song, because I will be getting in trouble. But there's no ghetto in heaven. Heaven is a place full of life, full of bliss, full of happiness. There's no second class citizens in heaven. If you come through Jesus, you get an all access pass. You get VIP everywhere in heaven. Jesus is the highway to heaven. And nobody will get into heaven who hasn't first come through him. And Jesus' immediate route is through his death and resurrection. So you want to know the heart of this Father? You want to go into the heart of this Father? It comes through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Embracing that. Jesus is the immediate route into heaven, but he's going through the cross and resurrection. He bridges the gap from earth to heaven for everyone who believes. And notice how comforting it is to know that if you're in a relationship with Jesus, he's not going to leave you He's not going to forsake you or forget you. He's coming back for you and you're, you're going to go home with him into his father's home, into his father's house. There are many mansions or homes there, rooms there. This is a promise. God cannot lie. If you are his, he won't forget you. He'll bring you all the way home, even to heaven. So these are words of comfort for troubled hearts. If you're in a relationship with Jesus, you've turned to Him, you've trusted in Him to rescue you from your rebellious ways, then there will be a day where you will always be with the Lord, as 1 Thessalonians says. Next, we learn that Christ is the way to the Father. Look at verse 4. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to Him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus' followers don't seem to be processing his words very well. They seem to be missing the point. In this case, Thomas speaks up and he says, I don't understand what you're saying, Jesus. We don't know where you're going. You didn't give us directions. You didn't give us instructions. How can we know the way? And this question is met with one of the most well-known verses in the Bible and maybe the most controversial verse in the Bible. Look at verse 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So now Thomas has his answer very clearly. Jesus is the way. You don't need a map to get where he's going. You need to believe in him. He's the way to the Father. And there are no other roads to him. Listen to how another Thomas, Thomas A. Kempis, who wrote in the medieval period, he creatively explains and paraphrases this verse. Listen to this. Follow thou me. I am the way and the truth and the life. Without the way there is no going. Without the truth there is no knowing. Without the life there is no living. I am the way which thou must follow. The truth which thou must believe the life for which thou must hope. I am the inviolable way, the infallible truth, the never-ending life. I am the straightest way, the sovereign truth, life true, life blessed, life uncreated. Those are some pretty powerful words and explanations of John 14.6. When I was a new Christian, um, I... I had a desire to go and to tell people about Jesus, but I only knew two verses. I knew John 14, 6 and Romans 10, 9. And so almost every week, not every week, but for a little while, I was going down to Rito Center, uh, Rito Street uh, on Wednesday nights. I'd go with a few people, and I'd go down there and talk to people about Jesus. And I only knew these verses. Now, Romans 10, 9 didn't seem to bother too many people, but I would share that with people. And then when I got to John 14, 6, that verse started to bother people. And it wasn't the first part of the verse that bothered them. It was the last part of the verse. When I said, no one comes to the Father except through me, people got outraged. People were mad at me. They didn't even know me. I actually came with coffee and hot chocolate, and they were upset when I got to that verse. I was like, come on, man. I mean peace. But they got upset because that verse, for them said that not all paths lead to God. They'd usually respond to me and say something like this. Well, what about all the people who haven't heard about Jesus? What about them? Doesn't God love them? Doesn't God care about them? And in their arrogance, they made it sound like they actually loved the world more than God did. Like, they actually cared and had more compassion for people than God did. And then, if I was back on Rideau Street today, talking to the same people, I would probably say something like this. So do you really think that you love people, you love the world, more than God the Father does? Yes? Okay. And so, since you love God, or since you love the world more than God the Father does, well, what have you sacrificed for the world? What have you done for the world? In your little tiny life, how much have you given to the world? What are you giving to the world? God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So you mean to tell me that you love the world more than that? God loves the world. And He so loved the world that He gave His only Son. Don't miss the good news. John 14, 6 does say very clearly that there is only one way to God, but it does say something that's amazing news. There is a way to God for anybody in the world. Don't miss the good news. Jesus is the way to the Father. Now friends, if you're exploring Christianity, you're not sure what to think of it yet, I just want to ask you, what do you think of this verse? John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What do you think about that verse? Does it trouble you? Or does it comfort you? What do you think? Now listen, you can see that verse as an exclusive verse and get upset that God only provided one way for you to come to him. But, you can also see that verse and be encouraged by the clarity of it and the the invitation that is in it for you. Listen, there is a way to God. Jesus says very clearly, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Are you going to be upset with the exclusivity or the invitation of it for you personally? Jesus is clear. He's the way to come to the Father. Have you come to the Father? Have you trusted in Jesus? Have you believed in Jesus? Cross the line into this relationship. If you enter in by Jesus, He will bring you directly into the relationship with His Heavenly Father. And once you're in that relationship, even if you are fatherless, have terrible experiences with your earthly father, you will never, ever, ever, ever be fatherless again. Never, ever. Now, for the Christians in the room who want to uh, communicate this message of Jesus to others, let me talk to you for a second. No matter how much you love your friends and you want to get to know them, and you want to fit into their lives, you want to fit in with them, don't budge on this verse. Many have, and many still are budging on this verse, but if you compromise this verse, you'll lose the Gospel. There's not many ways to God. You can only come through Jesus. That's it. And you'll only know God as Father through trusting in Jesus, His Son but it's easy for this very offensive verse to be watered down. If you start graying the black and white lines, it could be easy for you to say something like this, well, yes, Jesus is the way to God, of course, but there's many ways to God. And then you've lost the Gospel because the good news is that Jesus Christ has come to reconcile us to God. There's no other way to the Father, it's only through Jesus. He says, no one comes to the Father except through me. Now, Martin Luther said that when you're preaching the gospel, so remember, I'm talking to those of you that are interested in proclaiming or communicating this message to others. Uh, He said when you're communicating the gospel to others, you need to know where the truth is under attack and bring the gospel there. Okay? And it's not really hard to figure out where the truth is under attack right now, but let me just say it, this is where the truth is under attack right now. The battle rages very hot at the place where people are saying Jesus is the only way. It's under attack in schools, it's under attack in workplaces, it's under attack in society. It can be misunderstood and um, misread as hate speech even. But it's not that. But this is where it's under attack. The truth right now is under attack at the place of no one comes to the Father except through me. Now listen to what Martin Luther says. If I profess with the loudest voice and clearest exposition every portion of the truth of God except that little point which the world and the devil are at that moment attacking, I am not confessing Christ, however boldly I may be professing Christ. Where the battle rages, there the loyalty of the soldier is proved. And to be steady on all the battlefield besides is mere flight and disgrace, if he flinches at that point. If you're fighting and battling for some peripheral things and you've let this one slip, that Jesus is the way to the Father, you're fighting the wrong battles. Okay? This is where the battle is raging the hottest. Now, if you're a Christian... Does it bother you that no one comes to the Father except through Jesus? Do you believe this personally? If so, what are you doing about it? Now, if Jesus is the only way to God the Father, and God is a Father of mercies and a God of all comfort and a God of eternal love, many of our friends and family are headed in the wrong direction, friends. We must go after them with this good news about Jesus. That he is the way, the truth, and the life. That no one comes to the Father except through him. Next, let's look at verse 7. If you had known me, you would have known, you ha- would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Christians throughout history have believed that the Bible teaches the Trinity. Most of you will know what that means. But the Bible never actually uses the word Trinity. Scripture teaches very clearly, though, that there is one God who eternally exists in three persons God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. These persons are distinct but not separate. That is to say, the Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Holy Spirit. They are distinct persons, one being, one God. Jesus says in John 10, verse 30, I and the Father are one. And he says in our text, If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Now, if you've ever read the book of John, there are times where you just have to go like this. And there are times when it's too much to handle. So you have to put it down and come back. Or get some commentaries on it, get some help. So what's all this about? Jesus says in John 10, I and the Father are one. And here he's saying, you know him, you have seen him. If you know uh, know me, you would have known my Father also. What's the point, Jesus? He says basically, to know Jesus is to know the Father. To see him is to see the Father. Now, they're distinct persons. They're one God. So is Jesus confusing himself with the Father here? By the way, I'm not trying to confuse you, okay? (laughs) I'm just trying to tease this out a bit. Is Jesus getting confused that he's the Father when he says, I and the Father are one? No, he's not. He's not confused at all. He's saying, I and the Father are two distinct persons, one God. To know God the Son is to know God the Father. To enter into that relationship through God the Son is to enter into a relationship with the, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So you can't know the Father unless you know the Son. But if you know the Son, you know the Father. Okay? The Son pulls us into this relationship between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We enter in by faith in the Son, Jesus Christ, and we come in to the relationship with the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Listen now, how Jesus puts it in John 17.3. We talk a lot about eternal life. John 3.16, eternal life. What does that mean? Jesus defines eternal life. He says in John 17.3, this is eternal life that they may know you, experience, relationship, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And in John 1.18, now remember, sorry, Just go back up to verse 7, okay? Check this out. From now on, you do know him and have seen him, okay? What is Jesus talking about there? John 1.18, no one has seen God at any time. Hmm? What's going on? The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, that's speaking of Jesus, he has explained him. So, Jesus is God in skin and bones, okay? He comes, he takes on a body, Right? And He comes to bring us to the Father and to explain the Father's heart to us. That is to say this, if you see love in Jesus, He is explaining that God the Father is love. If you see that Jesus is compassionate and caring towards people, where do you think He got it from? He is communicating the Father to you. And so, He's compassionate just like his father is. He's not acting out of step with his father's character. He does just like his father does. He shows compassion just like his father shows compassion. He shows love and care for people just like his father does. So break through the temptation that there might be to think that Jesus is sweet and kind and gracious, but behind him is some God who's very uninterested and lacks compassion for us. Not a true statement. Not true. God the Father is love. We enter into the relationship with the Trinity by believing in Jesus, the Son. And Christianity is about a relationship with a personal God. It's not just a set of ideas that you can embrace or you can not embrace. It's a relationship with a real God. C.S. Lewis likened this relationship to a dance that we must enter into. Listen to this from C.S. Lewis. The whole dance or drama or pattern of this three-personal life is to be played out in each one of us. Or, putting it the other way around, each one of us has got to enter that pattern, take his place in that dance. There is no other way to the happiness for which we were made. Good things as well as bad, you know, are caught by a kind of infection. If you want to get warm, you must stand near the fire. If you want to be wet, You must get into the water. If you want joy, peace, sorry, power, peace, eternal life, you must get close to or even into that thing that has them God. They are a great fountain and energy and beauty spurting up at the very center of reality. If you are close to it, the spray will wet you. If you are not, you will remain dry. Once a man is united to God, how can he not live forever? once a man is separated from God what can he do but wither and die? There's no other way to happiness the happiness for which you were made than into that relationship with the Father in that great dance. Have you entered that great dance of this three person being God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and God the Son? Now you must step into this dance and enter in by faith in Jesus Christ. Have you entered into that relationship with your Heavenly Father? If so, He is your Heavenly Father now and forever. Never ever to forget you. Even if you didn't have a father growing up, and your father's day has almost always been a painful day, Your Heavenly Father is yours and can be yours through trusting in Jesus Christ. As Owen said, He is one who is full of eternal, free love towards you. Have you taken Him? If you have, here's the good news. You are no longer fatherless. Through Jesus, we come and we find a Father even. For the fatherless. Let's pray. Father in heaven, forgive us for thinking that you are cruel and unkind and tough and mean. Give us a glimpse through Jesus, through faith in Jesus of your heart, that you are the God of love. I pray that you would open our eyes to personally experience this and to personally enjoy this and to personally know you through that relationship. I pray if there's anybody here that hasn't yet entered into that relationship that they would know that they're invited to this great dance with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That by trusting in you and trusting in your word, you are trustworthy. By trusting in you and trusting in your word, they would come into this new relationship today. Pray this in Jesus' name.